When last we met our heroes, they met a friendly cabbie who took them to the shady part of town, specifically the Maritime Porn Emporium. It is there that they are seeking a better doctor to help Ernest. The doctor can help, but not in the way they hoped. He can either put Ernest into a stasis, or he can help his passing. The gang decides to wake Ernest to see what he wants. Will Ernest choose to ease his passing, or will he choose the path of pain? Tune in to find out. Listen, we don't have to be we don't have to be professional about this. We're here. Things suck at the Maritime Porn Emporium. Well, they they do, in fact, and that's a major selling point. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. You couldn't have alley ooped that any oh. any better. Like <laughs> It was good. It was like we worked together intentionally on that one. Did we decide to wake up early? Yes, that that was the so. very last thing yeah. we decided. We're going to wake him up and ask him, would you rather die or <laughs> go to go to hell? <laughs> I hope we don't wake him up and just screaming Would you in like pain. to go to hell and then wait for us to like level up several times so that we can go and get into the abbey without dying? And potentially save you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> potentially continue. maybe save you? I'm just waiting for us to wake him up, and then he just says, kill me. <laughs> this is just... horrible. This is a horrible, kill horrible me. thing that we've done. I'm in constant pain. Okay, Henry. Well, start the, start the pit of despair. So you are still in the the porn doctor's office. Can we have a normal doctor's office? <laughs> no, please? we're full of illicit activity, and now a few of us are multiple murderers. Every single doctor is. There are also no normal doctors in, in the, the city. They all they all have to moonlight at at different places. I think it probably gives them some great empathy for what normal people go through. So you are in the office of Hush Puppy Jones, surrounded by various critically acclaimed erotic films. Well, posters of erotic films. Oh, I, I thought I said posters, yeah, but yes, not the films themselves. That would be that would be interesting, though, to have all the films playing simultaneously. Overwhelming. Overwhelming, for sure. So, here's my question, just about the world, Henry. Okay. So, these are all various pornographic films, but this is like 1920s era. So, are they all silent films? <laughs> So it's, it, I'm glad that you asked that because it is a mixture of both. You are at the era where sound is about to come in, but there are definitely some that have like, you can see people's lips moving and then it pans to like a, a card with text on it and then pans back. <laughs> it pans to a card ah, that says, Does it, did anybody order a pizza? <laughs> I think that most porn would be improved by being silent. Some of the dialogue in porn is just, it'd be better you, without. You watch porn for the dialogue? <laughs> no, this is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's all better if you watch it on mute anyway. Oh, I'm just imagining title cards that go, ooh, ah, yeah, baby, 
Mm. See, I like the classics. Here's your pizza. I have a package for you. All those classics. Oh no, I left my wallet. Is there another yeah. way to pay? I love our lemon tree. Okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you, incidentally, for putting the lemon tree in there because that that's cinematic I gold. I feel like some people are God really damn. gonna really that's, crack that's such up a about deep the lemon cut. tree. It's a deep cut, but like I feel like our audience is there. We know who our fans are. Okay, that's enough tomfoolery. You were that's enough laughter. Now time for the death. Time for t- yeah, let's get to the series. The the tentative death. The doctor that you had been dealing with, he's on a chair, like one of those chase lounge chairs smoking a cigarette. He had been up for quite a long time working on Ernest, so kind of chilling out a little bit. So I'm assuming you guys just go up and talk to him? Yeah, we kind of were talking to him and then pulled to the side to decide what we were going to do, right? We have decided we want to wake Ernest up and talk to him, so yeah, I guess we tell the doctor that. Uh, the doctor takes a long drag of a cigarette and I'm like... Well, uh, if that's what you want to do, I will uh, give him give him some medication. He reaches into his bag and pulls out a little syringe and a, a small bottle of uh, transparent liquid and uh, injects it into Ernest's arm. And after about 20 seconds or so, Ernest starts stirring and uh, muttering incoherently. And then his eyes open and he looks around... And he sees you guys, and it, like his face like lights up in recognition for a second, and then he goes, "Oof! Oh, uh, how how long, how long have I been unconscious?" Uh, not a couple of hours. Not that long. Uh, who who's gonna explain the situation? I I, I um uh uh. Kitty just, like, looks down and puts her ears down. While you're kind of shuffling over your words, his shirt's still open, so he kind of looks down and sees what's going on, and then he looks back back at you, all of you, and it's like, I'm going to assume from your lack of words that the prognosis isn't very good. I'm not going to bullshit you, Ernest. It's, uh, not good. Um... We have been put in kind of a sticky situation, and we did not know how best to proceed. You have essentially two options. We can either make you comfortable and ease your passing, or we can put you into what some might say is worse situation, which is putting you into a sort of... I turn and look at the doctor. Did you say extra planar? Like he goes to different world? Yeah, that is correct. We'll, uh, if you elect for this option, we will uh, transport him to another plane. So basically, we take your mind. Well, not we. He. I, I will know how to do this. But uh, we take your mind and we put it in another place. But downside to that, you've feel pain not his mind his his whole body will go to another plane it's a little unclear i i actually didn't catch whether it would be a mind or a body situation herman turns away so no one can see him crying uh then that's partially my fault i should have made that clearer but 
in this instance, it would just be the mind. So it, wait, what? So how does his body stay in stasis then? Magic. <laughs> I thought he, I thought you said a freezer. Didn't you yeah. say there was a freezer they could put in there? Correct. Oh, so you're, right. you're, you're Han Soloing this man. Yikes. So, I mean, not great situation on either side, but we wanted to know if there's something that you wanted to do. There's also a third option, which is a little bit riskier on our part, which I'm willing to do, but I don't know about her. And I, I point at Kitty. I know she's probably not going to like it, but I like the idea. We can try and find an antidote, but it will take us some time, and you would have to be in stasis for that time. I see. Uh, well, I, I don't think I could ask you all to, to take undertake something dangerous on my account. You don't, you don't owe me anything. Well, I disagree. I think in some way we all owe you something. You've been very kind to us all for for a long time. Yeah, we care about you, Ernest. Well, that's very very kind of you, lads. Look, uh, how uh, how likely are you to find a cure in there? I look at the doctor for an answer to that. He just shrugs. Honestly, Ernest, we don't know. We don't know if we're going to be able to find a cure. So let's call it 50-50. Well, uh, I see. I suppose then, uh, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, uh, why don't you, uh, put me in the stasis sort of thing? I still would like the opportunity to, uh, mourn for Mabel and give her, give her a good send-off. Of course. If that's what you want to do, Ernest, we'll do it. I turn and look at the group. Looks like we have our decision. We have some planning to do. Um, we are leaving you in the care of... Listen, base. I know that this is a risky move, but we have to go do this for, for Ernest's sake. No, no, no. We can't go in there right now. Okay, okay, okay. I will let them know. I will let them know. Anything else? Okay. Okay, I tell him. I tell him. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Ernest, Bess wanted me to tell you that he cares for you. Yes, I'll tell him about the treats. Jesus Christ. He tells you that the treats that you give him are the best and that he wants to help save you if he can. Ernest, I know things are going to suck for a while, but we're going to fight like hell to get you that cure. Ernest smiles up at you and just says, I know you'll do your best, lad. You've always done for us. I have a question. Okay. Can my druidcraft create uh, medicinal plants? Not so much truly medicinal, but sort of of the quality of pain-relieving plants. Red wants to make some weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like some mushrooms. <laughs> I'd like to uh, grow some of that chronic, some of that 
real sticky icky. Some of that wacky tubacky. This is a good question. Why don't all druids just become drug dealers? That's a very good it's question. bold of you to assume that most that of them aren't. aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, what if Dan after all makes sour diesel? <laughs> Asking the real questions. Yeah, you can do that if you want to make that. I am gonna grow some of that and give it to the doctor. Like, this should help with with a with the pain. And also, I just grow like a little daisy and give it to give it to Ernest. I think you gotta roll for dankness. Okay, roll for dankness. Yeah, how <laughs> how sticky is that icky? Okay, both of those what phrases. What do I add to that? I love role? them. I never want to hear them again after this session. <laughs> what um, skill do I add to that role? I mean, it would be a medicine check, I would think. It wouldn't think. be nature. Medicine it wouldn't be nature? a nature check. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I have no, you're say, right. I have plus one to both. So, so. either okay. way, it's a either way. It's medicinal and natural. Folks, I rolled a three, so that is a four on dankness. This is some it's, shitty weed. It's some so it's, it's some skunk so, ass weed. It's some skunk so, ass weed. <laughs> did you cut it with like basil or thyme or something? Anyway. Trouble leans over Red's shoulder and is like, you know, Doc, if you put that in some brownies and you feed it to him, he'll have a real good time for a while. That'll be nice. Real nice. Okay, Borat. <laughs> God damn it. See, it you, you hear shit. Borat, I hear two wild and crazy guys from old, old SNL. And I think both of those are oh. accurate depictions of this character. <laughs> Yeah, that that is true. Before he goes unconscious, Ernest beckons to you, Herman, and kind of beckons you to come, like, because he's prone, right? He's lying on the table. He wants you to come kind of closer to where he is. What is it, Ernest? All right, lad, look. Did you get the book from my apartment? I did. I did. We got it with us. Okay, and do one of you have the key? Yeah, I think I think we got the key. Okay. Yeah. All right, lad, look. The key will unlock the book. Read the first two pages of the book when when you get an opportunity. It'll explain what the telephone is and how to use it. It should be noted that uh <coughs> he's kind of coughing, so you can see that the sedative is starting to take effect, but I grab his hand. Look, lad, this uh be very careful with with that telephone. The power that it contains is uh, quite unstable, but uh, don't use it too much. And with that, he kind of squares up a little bit and says, all right, I think it's time to say goodnight. And he passes out. But, but wait, Ernest, what does it do? What does it do? What does the, what does the phone do, Ernest? It's gonna explain in the book. He just told you. <laughs> he just got Herman so caught up in pay, the emotion. Herman didn't pay any attention. He was just like <laughs> No, he was just so so overwhelmed with the grief. It it's not like I said Blackbeard's gold is buried and then pass out. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, so what do we do now? Um well we have to decide if we are going to break into Abby, or if we are going to just wait for Doctor to try and do something. I like breaking into the Abbey. I think 
I think that will go over really well for us. I mean, the doctor said there's nothing they could do that he could do, right? Was that a joke, or or or, or do, do you really think that we could break into the abbey and f- f- find what's wrong? I 100% think that we can break into the abbey. Lucy, we we need we need some backup for for that. I I think uh and and we know where to get it, right? We we heard the, from the, the Triton, the 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 bar, the uh the loaded what was it? The Black Lotus? The Orchid Macabre. The Orchid Macabre. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah, not the murders. <laughs> Not the, the magic doll, yeah. card, the Black Lotus. From what I know of Orchid Macabre, uh, we could definitely get magical items there that we would need to potentially break in. I I think I think it's a good idea. The Triton told us to go. Uh, he seems trustworthy. Uh, 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 he seems to have some. He does? Connection <laughs> to Red. To Ernest. And to where we lived, I th- think it, it it's a good idea. So from where you're located now, which is by the docks on the north side of the city, this is a pretty seedy place, all things considered. Uh, so, what? A porn I, 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 I know. I on know. On the docks? Well, I, I meant the Orchid Macabre, but yes, the seedy place. As many nightclubs are in this city, uh, it is a seedy place. But it is on the same side of the city as you are. It's actually not that far away. It's only about seven blocks, so seven blocks west and one block down. Should we get a cab again, or should we go for a walk? Because I wouldn't mind a walk. I'd love to see the sunset. Well, you could definitely you can definitely walk that distance. Uh, this isn't a this isn't a scenario where you'd have to catch a cab because it's literally on the opposite end of the city from where you are. Uh, yeah, let's let's just walk, but I don't know, walk through alleys, attempt not to be spotted. I think we need some masks. Y- yes, because walking around with masks on would be <laughs> great. Just big old plague masks with the beaks. It'll be very unsuspicious. Luckily for us, the Plague Doctor convention is in town. (laughs) We'll blend right in. Are we trying to be stealthy or are we just... I think we should be stealthy and, you know, stick to side streets or try to blend in with crowd kind of thing. Try not to draw attention. Uh, Before we leave, let me give you something that will help. She walks down these halls of blue and green. Her is the only red as far can be seen. Like the first leaf showing signs of autumn, with eyes that reach down to your soul's bottom. A gaze that struck me so much deeper that makes all others feel cheaper. If anything could launch one thousand ships, it is how she maneuvers her lips to form a smile too much to handle. She burns red as the flame of a candle. Beauty is not all she contains. Joy and compassion from her reign. Followed up with fierceness so strong. Then again, maybe I'm wrong. 
and I cast Bardic Inspiration on all of you. So you get a 1d6 on an ability check. That was beautiful, Trevor. Red <laughs> just, like, stares between Treble and Kitty because he's convinced this is a poem about Kitty and Treble's secret love for her. <laughs> Ooh. Gross. <laughs> Spicy. Gross. <laughs> cool. Bardic Inspiration. Thanks. Woo. Herman feels inspired and starts doing lunges. Oh, boy. Oh, no. no. I'm just picturing the second the poem ends, but Herman's like, oh, yeah! (laughs) Just, like, starts, like, working out. Just crushes a Mountain Dew. (laughs) Just against the side of his head. Just... Yeah. Okay. So, am I correct that, uh... that you all are walking there? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. In a stealthy fashion. Okay. Um, as you're about to leave, uh, Hush Puppy kind of gets up from his desk and comes over to you. He's like, All right, kids, here's the deal. I'll, uh, put your friend on ice over here. He'll be, he'll be okay, but, uh, I'm gonna send somebody witches to, uh, keep an eye on you, at least until you get to the Orchid Macabre. Uh, it's kind of a dingy place. Not unlike my first house. Anyway, Hattie's gonna go witches. At least for a little bit. Wanna protect my investment? We have not paid this man. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> That's something we'll have to figure out in the future. He has a lot of faith in us being able to produce money down the road. We're, we're gonna save Ernest by breaking into the Abbey. We're gonna do all this stuff. Then we're gonna rob a bank to have to pay Hush Puppy Jones. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get He's gonna be the big the bad at the end. <laughs> it was Hush Puppy Jones the whole time. <laughs> all of this was just in, him trying to extort money out of us. In the most Byzantine scheme imaginable. <laughs> I mean, he does have some leverage over you, though, in as much as he's holding the body of your friend in a freezer. Yep. He does have collateral. He does have collateral in this case. He also has the dynamic duo of Funyuns and Anderson who will beat the shit out of you if you don't uh, comply. (laughs) I think I'm going to become close friends with Funyuns and Anderson. I don't think they're going to beat the shit out of me. (laughs) We're going to find out. Okay. We appreciate you giving us the help. Treble will turn and head towards the door. All right, you make your way outside. Uh, it's around that sunset hour, so it's not quite fully dark yet, but the sun is no longer directly overhead, so there's lots of long shadows being cast through the buildings. There is a reasonable amount of activity uh, by the docks. You can see groups of sailors uh, loading up several ships on the dock that's nearest to you. You also uh, go ahead and everybody roll Perception. I got a big, big five. I got a three. Herman just walks into a door. (laughs) Fourteen. Two of you are just happy to be here, and the other two of you, (laughs) who had your eyes open, uh, you observe... Herman's just staring directly into the sunset. (laughs) Looking directly into the sunset, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're just staring at the sun, going blind. (laughs) Oh, boy. What, What a group. What a group. Okay. So, uh, Kitty and Treble, uh, you observe that one of the ships that's nearest you 
the equipment being loaded onto it looks like heavy industrial equipment. Uh, you can see like a hydraulic press being loaded on, as well as a number of like metal support beams. And as you pass by like the gangplank leading up to the ship, you hear uh, one of the sailors, or two of the sailors rather, conversing. Uh, and you hear a snippet about how this shipment is bound for the city, the floating city of Seaguard. And that's the one that they were trying to cons- constrip, to conscript Ernest. Conscript. <laughs> conscript. I, I mean, we're in the place to do it. You uh, are in the place to do it, yeah. To help uh, fix. Correct. Whether he wanted to or not. So you guys hear that. The rest of you were staring into the sun. So you all are walking along the streets. Uh, you all and all of you would hear this after about five minutes of walking. So you've traveled maybe two or three blocks at this point. You hear f- coming from behind you an explosion. And then you hear the sound of car engines revving and racing. And the noises are getting louder. So they're coming towards you where you are currently. Uh, and after about 20 seconds of hearing this, uh, you hear the screeching of tires and first one car and then a second car comes around screeching around a corner about a block behind you and you see there's two cars one's getting chased by the other the second car the one doing the chasing has the mark of the abbey stamped on the side and you can see one person driving you can see the person in the passenger seat or front passenger seat has a a pistol of some sort and is shooting at the first car and it also has there's like a hatch in the roof and there's another person with a rifle shooting in the front car you see one of the doors of the lead car is partially open and one you can see that there's a person inside with like a trilby and a trench coat and they have their arm raised and from their arm they are shooting a fireball at the previous car from the rooftop of the uh, the car being chased, there's another individual similarly garbed in trench coat and trilby, and they've got a crossbow. And you see that as they shoot one of the crossbow bolts, there is a little magical explosion where the bolt lands with a little green cloud of what looks to be acid. So are we seeing two Abbey people fighting each other? No, no the they're, chasing, they're chasing someone. And they're using magic okay. to chase them down. The, the trench coat and trilby sounded like it was also what the Abbey people are wearing. It so. is, but I realized it, kind of in hindsight that I have to improve my description because it's that era where everybody had... Everyone is wearing a trench coat and trilby. <laughs> yeah, basically everyone's a Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> God damn. That takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> so is the... The Abbey car, they're shooting guns. Is that also shooting magic, or are they, like, act just real guns? They, l- they would appear to be real guns. But the people in the lead car are definitely shooting magic. Yeah, definitely. Do are they, they real guns, or are they Morgul guns? Shut up. Do not bring up the Morgul guns again. <laughs> Do they see us? Like, are we able to, like, duck out of view of being seen by the Abbey person. Is the Abbey person completely distracted? They're not paying attention to you at all. I mean, it's... Okay. sound pretty distracted. You all aren't really recognizable in a crowd. 
especially a crowd at night, and there's still, like, as I mentioned, crowds of sailors and stuff milling around the docks, the dockyard area. Okay, so this is not, like, they're not stopped with, like, an opportunity for us to get involved. This is just, like, a wild thing we're seeing. So as the car is passing, the first car goes past. I have no interest in the first car. So I'm focused primarily on the Abbey car. So the second that I see that, I get really angry. I channel my inner Vincent D'Onofrio and I go into a bard rage, which is not actually (laughs) a thing, but I just made it up. So, no. (laughs) As As they go past, I finger guns the driver and I cast sleep. How did I know this was what you were going to do? Because it's my only <laughs> offensive <laughs> spell. <laughs> okay. Um, do, you, do you have bardic inspiration from uh No, he can't inspire. Yourself? He can't inspire himself. Hmm. We're always our own worst critics. <laughs> That's a good joke. I rolled a twenty-seven. Okay. The creatures within range, so it would be it would be everybody in the car, are affected in ascending order of their current hit points. Starting with the creature that has the lowest HP, each creature affected falls asleep, and then the whatever's remaining, if it would affect the next person, it will also put the next person to sleep. But my treble's thinking is the other two people are shooting the guns, so they are probably the higher level than the driver. So ideally, he's trying to aim for the driver. It does actually affect the driver first, and you also see that the person who was hanging out of the top hatch of the car passes out and uh, kind of slumps so that their body is kind of draped over the top of the car. Uh, they also drop their rifle. That kind of clatters to the street. Uh, the driver, however, passes out, and after a moment of the car continuing straight, it veers and crashes into a fruit stand on the side of the road. My watermelons! Was any innocent bystander hurt? Uh, you can't tell from where you're at. And as soon as that happens, Kitty grabs Treble by the wrist and starts dragging him the opposite direction. (laughs) I need to roll insight on how Treble feels about being grabbed by Kitty after that poem. Oh my god! (laughs) Do you need to? I do need to. I rolled an 11. I don't know if that's good enough to get anything. I don't. I'm very suspicious. You see a very angry cat lady pulling a very (laughs) fuzzy-butted dumbass satyr down the opposite end of the street like a mother to a child. Think about the opposites attract of Kitty (laughs) (laughs) and Trouble. Dan's gonna fuel all of our fanfiction. Think about how great it would be if we were all just (laughs) part of a cool polyamorous adventuring group (laughs) i follow after them with like very intense look of concentration on my face watching them herman is completely oblivious to the fact that treble put that guy to sleep and so he's just like holy crap do you guys see that that car crashed into that what did you say it was watermelon stand uh just a generic fruit stand and and then i said no my watermelons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh i one question as a dm uh you still have the police scanner as a group which of you is holding it right now it's in oh it didn't fit in the thing did it red has it. yeah I, i'm pretty sure that i'm still i have it are you doing anything with it currently this is um, this is also not a leading question to make you do something with it i mean 
In all I seriousness. Mean, I, it, it would be cool if I was smart enough to do that. What what a sentence. So that's her So nice so way no. Of no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have Unless a good somebody joke else for that. in the party uh gives me sort of a prompting. I I think I'm distracted by the possible romance. I mean, <laughs> there is no romance. It's that's okay. Okay. Listen. <laughs> There could be. Dan wants it He's so like, Red bad. needs this. Red needs this fan fiction, okay? Just, oh, I love it. Just let him ship his friends, okay? <laughs> um, okay. But would the, would the scanner just be on? I That I don't know. My understanding was that you just kept it on since you never specifically said that you turned it off, but it, it doesn't true. really matter. Um, I'll say that it is on. On a sort of low volume okay. in my pocket. Uh, you... Okay. You hear buzzing. Or you hear, like, that squawking sound, like if you were to hear a radio in another room. You hear that not long after the uh, car crashes into the fruit stand. I pick it up and listen to it better. Uh, this is Dispatch. Uh, we're gonna need to give our... Tr- give the... Uh, our u- roving unit's narcolepsy training. It appears that somebody else has passed out at the wheel. <laughs> narcolepsy, narcolepsy training? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um. <laughs> Is that like training for the other people in the car for like what to do if your driver falls asleep suddenly? <laughs> I, I guess. I want to watch that training video. <laughs> it sounds pretty great. If you feel yourself falling asleep, here's a tip. Remember that you're supposed Jump. to be awake. Yeah. Right? Some sort of lucid dream training. Right. Tie <laughs> a string around your wrist, and then when you fall asleep, check for the string. <laughs> it's just a whole Inception like subplot. <laughs> Incept yourself awake. Uh, units, be advised. A car has carrying stolen magical items has disabled one of our patrol vehicles in the vicinity of the docks. Uh, And Hattie Anderson's with us, right? Correct. How does she react to this? Well, she knows what Treble did. She's been around the block a little bit, and she watches the crash and just kind of (laughs) goes, and doesn't say anything else. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Was that like about halfway, or was that were we pretty much just right out of the porn emporium? You're probably a third of the way there. You you were able to make it a few blocks before you caused mischief. Sounds about right. Okay, so the car crashed, and we keep going. Yeah, I feel like we're following uh, Treble's lead at this point. Kitty's because she has Treble by the arm, by the wrist, like a bad child. Do you even know where we're going? No, but away from th- there. I will head to the Orchid Macabre and, like, have everybody in tow. And base will be about 50 feet in, in yeah, 50 feet in front of me. Um, okay. He kind of keep, keeps watch just to make sure that nothing, there's no, like, Abbey people, in, you know, waiting for us or ahead of us or anything like that. Okay. The rest of you, are you doing anything? Following the leader. Trying to blend in to the crowd and not look super suspicious. Herman follows but walks next to Hattie Anderson and keeps trying to glance at Hattie to see if she's looking at him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Another possible romance. <laughs> Excellent. 
Uh, She's not paying attention to you at all. She's doing, like, the classic security personnel behavior where she's just, like, constantly looking around. I'm picture Herman doing that thing where he's like, oh, have you seen uh, that building over there? And he's, like, flexing while he points. Because <laughs> <laughs> Herman's only uh, pop culture reference is apparently Top Gun. And the, ho- the homoerotic uh, volleyball <laughs> Or Tommy Boy. Oh, I guess they do or do Tom- that in Tommy Boy, too. Yeah, he's more of a Tommy Boy fan. <laughs> I've never seen either of these movies. You don't... Well, Tommy Boy, you can you should see. Top Gun is... You're fine without it. Well, Top Gun's a classic. Yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. But you're fine. You're fine without it. Yeah, no, I've heard that it sucks. It's full of machismo. I mean, it's... Just propaganda for the military. That the best. The air the best. force. Specifically. I thought I was going to say propaganda for Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's propaganda for people liking Tom Cruise. Let's call a spade a spade. It's propaganda for beach volleyball, and we all know it. Homoerotic be- beach volleyball. It's a very specific but important subgenre of, <laughs> yeah. of beach volleyball. Well, fuck. Now I'm thinking about Top Gun. Oh, I thought you were going to say, now I'm thinking about homoerotic volleyball montages. Well, no, that's I a given. I thought you were going to say, now I'm thinking about Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, that's a given. Like, that's assumed. Um, but in the context of Top Gun, it, it can't be assumed. Anyway, we're going to move on from that. You eventually arrive outside the Orchid Macabre. By this point, it took you probably about an hour to an hour and a half to get there. And it's completely dark. So there is a neon sign over the front of it that is a purple orchid, uh, which has a little skull inside of it. And in purple letters on the side in neon, the orchid macabre. And out front there are a pair of, uh, in the same way, or rather in the opposite fashion of the of Beelzebuts, where the attendants out front were uniformed very nicely, they seem to have taken the opposite approach, where the attendants out here, they don't, for one, they're not wearing matching outfits, and two, they're not really wearing outfits at all. They're just kind of wearing they're dungarees and tank tops. <laughs> they're nudists. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it definitely deters the, uh, the faint-hearted from entering the club. We just came from the strip club, okay? Yeah, this is... This is on the outside. This is nudity on the outside. <laughs> Outdoor nudity. Probably something red is actually pretty familiar yeah, with having like, grown up red in a just, hippie commune. Don't you do place? that? Yeah. So it's strip club, porn emporium, nudist club. No, they're they're wearing dungarees and shirt. They're regularly dressed human <laughs> analog people. They might not be human, they could be other things. Well, I haven't described them yet, uh, but from what you can tell, uh, just a regular regular vanilla human and a triton are lounging out front. We got a lot of tritons in this city, and I like it. It's a port city. They are by the sea, so... Coastal, yeah. Kitty's from Fantasy, Kansas. There's no water anywhere. Tritons are aquatic humanoid creatures, which are... Usually some shade of blue. They're humanoid and roughly human-sized. They're entirely amphibious, which means that they can use their left or right hands equally. Okay, oh, <laughs> Okay, that was a good joke. I'm proud of that. That was great. That was great. That was great. They're um, fish people. They well, got scales. They, they're fishy people. 
They don't like being referred to as fish people, but that is effectively true. Okay, so you're outside. You've got Hattie in tow. What do you guys do? Are you going to go in without... Essentially, I'm asking, are you going to go in without a plan, or are you just going in cold turkey? We we should pull out the card that the Triton gave us and tell someone that Bottles sent us here, is what Kitty thinks in her head and then says out loud as well. (laughs) Good. Because I didn't do it in my Kitty voice. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think I have the card, don't I? Somebody's got the card. Yeah, Herman has it. So I, I pull the card out and I walk up to the Triton and I go, Bottles sent us. And then I wink at him. Is it a sultry wink? Or is it like, describe your... It's wink. such an awkward wink. He can't wink without like squinting his whole face. Like the whole cheek comes up. The, he still blinks. It's like a blink. It's basically a blink, yeah. But just the <laughs> other eye just slowly closes. It's an aggressive <laughs> blink. A, an aggressive wink. Okay. Yeah, I show him the card. The Triton looks at the card... Uh, and he, like, holds up a finger to you, like, wait a second, and he beckons the human over, and they converse for a second, and then he hands the card back to you and nods. Alrighty, uh, head on in and, uh, show the card to the concierge. And Herman's super nervous, so he goes, will do, Captain! And then he was like, oh god, that was stupid, and he, like, bows his head and he just walks forward. He goes in. (laughs) Inside the Orchid Macabre. For one thing, the kind of like an old bowling alley, the, the scent of the air is just rife with cigarette smoke and just smoke of all types. To your left, as you walk in, there appears to be like a coat check area and there is a similarly not uniformed uh, elf who's reading a magazine called Elf Monthly. Uh, he's clearly not really paying attention to much of anything. To your right, uh, there is a staircase heading down into what looks to maybe be some sort of basement. In front of you, you can see most of the club, or at least this floor of the club. There is a large uh, bar area lit by neon in kind of a C shape. There are quite a few patrons drinking at it. And then to the left of that, there are just some larger tables where there are people eating periodically you can see waiters coming in through a door at the back so you enter the building and you're facing straight ahead from the wall that you're facing they're coming out carrying trays of food so you can assume that that's the kitchen and uh finally you see an area that is roped off and has a couple of attendants uh out front or in front of it which says vip area so as we enter, uh, Herman turns to Red and goes, What's a concierge? Uh, I, I think it's like a... Like a, a fancy person you take with you to parties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Any of these people look like fancy people to you? He <laughs> uh, said to give this card to the concierge. May, maybe, maybe we ask the coat, the coat check. Okay, okay. And so I walk up, there's a coat check person there, you said? Uh, he, I mean, he's physically there. Mentally, he's probably engrossed in Elf Monthly, but yeah, he's there. (laughs) I want to know what's in, like, what kind of articles are in Elf Monthly. Like, how to increase your thousand-year-old skin routine. Did your your first gray hair show up at 2080? How to stop it. 
Elves hate him because of this one simple trick. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Herman walks up to the, the coat jack and he goes, Hi, I'm uh, supposed to give this card to the concierge. Oh, you're here for the concierge, huh? Okay, well, uh, let me see the card, please. Uh, give him the card. He looks it over and then he points, uh, he points at a gentleman. Well, actually, you can't, you're gender not specific. He points at an individual who's garbed in, like, a, a green suit. About, like, midway between the bar and, like, the eating area, who you can see is conversing with people and kind of pointing them in various directions. Okay. Herman pats the coat rack uh, attendant, the coat check attendant on the shoulder. Coat rack attendant? (laughs) Coat rack attendant. Coat check. Uh, (laughs) Says, hey, keep up the good work, pal. Try not to work too hard. And he winks at him with that super awkward wink again. (laughs) This is so cool that Herman and Red are the ones interacting with the people here. I know. Both Kitty and and, and Treble are just kind of standing back going, what? Wait, what? But it's kind of like a like a, a contained fire that you can't look away from. Yeah, it's just like just, just like, let it keep going, just watch. let it keep going. Okay, so Herman Herman guides us over to the concierge. All right, we did it. And then I walk up and I go, I hear you're the concierge, and I hand the person the card. Okay, uh, the person. Well, for one thing, when you walk up to them, their back is to you. You say something, and they hear you and turn around. I'll, I'll tap them on the shoulder. It is a gnome woman who has a number of different tattoos. The suit jacket that they're wearing is kind of cut off at the elbow, so it's kind of like a... I don't know. I don't know if there's such a thing as a sleeveless suit jacket, but... Yeah, it's called a vest. Okay. That... <laughs> this is what you're describing, but I'm That's... picturing Don Johnson right now. <laughs> no, when you, well, no, when you say sleeveless suit jacket, all I think of is Larry the Cable Guy, who did at one point in time wear a, a oh. suit jacket that he ripped the sleeves off of. Dear God. He has to answer for a number of crimes, but that that's up there. <laughs> that's up there. Except for Maynard. We all love Maynard. No. Cars great. No, Cars was terrible. No? But Cars I, was terrible? I, I'm not a Cars fan. Cars 2 was terrible. Cars 1 was fine. Cars 3 is good, too. To be honest, I didn't know that there was a Cars 3. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. Did yeah, they jump the I shark have... in Cars 3? It's like full-blown Tokyo Drift and stuff? Or is that the second one I'm thinking of? That's the second one where it's Mater as as James Bond. I had to yeah. see all these! I have small boy cousins, okay? I have two little brothers, and I did not know that there was a Cars 3. Oh, they... I'm a full-grown adult, and I watch all these movies by myself. I mean, <laughs> I watch other Disney movies, just not Cars. Like, I have no shame. Own. I saw Frozen in theaters oh, with no too. children present. I did too. Oh, I yeah, I did also. Just Cars that. is not one that I was like, oh man, I need to go see Cars three in the theaters. All right, what does this gnome say? Yeah. To anyway, us? there's a gnome lady with a cool yeah, Larry the Cable on this guy sexy Don Johnson gnome suit jacket. Hello, I I am Amelia. I am the concierge. Hi, Amelia. I got I got this card from from Bottles. Oh, so help us. Monsieur Bottles? I see. Very well. Uh, wait here a moment. And she walks off over to the VIP section, actually. And you can see her conversing with uh, one of the VIP attendants. Another Goliath, actually. And she comes back to you and says, uh, Right this way, please. Okay, so we follow. 
you follow Amelia into the VIP section, and the attendants there kind of give you a polite nod, and then they they that little like separating cord thing uh, they clip it again behind you as you guys enter. Amelia leads you to a booth at the very back and kind of bids you to sit down and kind of goes goes back to where she was. Uh, after a moment, a dwarf waiter approaches you and asks you what kind of drinks you would like. Oh, hi. Hi, nice to meet you. Do you have any stirred beef? A callback. <laughs> oh, a callback indeed. He informs you he's not familiar with stirred beef, but he would be able to get you a complimentary filet mignon, or steak of your choice. Wow, complimentary? What? Complimentary filet mignon? What? Kitty is starving. She was like, uh, uh, can, uh, um, uh, maybe just a sandwich or something? Or salad? two steaks? Rare? Do you have diesel Gatorade? Yeah, the the drink made out of squeezed alligators. <laughs> I, th- I I believe we contributed to the Crocodilian Relief Fund, but I I'm not sure about Gatorade. But um. <laughs> okay, I'll just take a water then. Gotta stay hydrated. Of course, sir. And for the rest of you, could I get whatever uh drink you have that has the most sugar in it, and also some dessert? Dessert, of course. Uh, he looks at Kitty. And for you? A, a, a sandwich or, or a salad or something. Maybe an iced tea. Of course. And for you, looking at Treble? I'll take a white Russian. <laughs> Perfect. Son of a bitch. Of course you... <laughs> of course, sir. So the waiter bows to, each, bows to the table and... Uh, disappears from sight but 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 you don't wink this time okay (laughs) did the waiter ask hattie if she wanted anything oh yeah hattie's with us that is true um hattie asked for a glass of milk excellent herman leans over to hattie good call the milk it's got a lot of protein it's good it's great chocolate milk's really good post-workout did you know that (laughs) she gives you a polite smile (laughs) (laughs) oh no Herman's very pleased with himself right now because he loves sharing the fact that chocolate milk's a great post-workout drink. After about five, well, after about ten minutes, uh, your food comes out. Herman, you've gotten a pair of nicely seared steaks. Not overly done. They're a good rare. Red, uh, you are given a kind of clay tankard full of a pale kind of yellowish liquid. When he hands you this tankard, he says... uh, Please enjoy the uh, the honey ale. Oh yeah, get and, some meat uh, in me. For treble, uh, he gives you a very well. It's kind of a novelty, but it's a carved glass that looks like a laughing gnome, and kind of sets that in front of you. And that's kind of a milky texture, milky appearance to it. Kitty, he gives you a large plate which has both a sandwich and a salad. Uh, kind of like a steak sandwich with onions and peppers uh, and also has some cubed up roasted potatoes or fried potatoes on it and then he gives uh, Hattie a tall and frosty glass of milk oh did I get a dessert 
Oh, you do get a dessert, but uh, it didn't come with all of the other stuff because the raider, waiter ran out of space. So he uh. eventually brings back, to, comes back to you with a very decadent and ornate slice of chocolate cake. Excellent. Oh, this looks delicious. Uh, Herman asks the waiter, can I get some ketchup? Oh, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you so oh. hard! No! No! No, 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 no. The, the waiter... <laughs> The waiter just says no. <laughs> well, uh, what I was going to say, the waiter like says, of course, sir. And then as he's turning away, you hear ketchup on a fucking filet mini. <sighs> These clients. And then just walks away. Fuck you. <laughs> I did it just because I knew Bobby would hate it. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> Don't you dare ruin a steak. You like worked that. at Applebee's for too long. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You do after that? Hate, hate <sighs> that so after after eating for about ten minutes, you are joined at the table by two more individuals. The first one you recognize as Bottles himself, now attired in a immaculate black tuxedo. Fuck yeah. The other individual is uh, what's the word? Perhaps a little more striking, and this would be a little less common, also in in the city that you're in a dragonborn also garbed in a tuxedo the dragonborn has covering his eyes a pair of mirrored glasses and he sits kind of across from the group in this horseshoe shaped booth uh bottles greets you herman and sits down in the booth as well hi bottles dang you clean up good you look great you're damn right i do kid it's all an act out there. Wanted to introduce you to somebody real interesting. And he points over to the dragonborn and says, This is Frankie Fourfingers. He's the man to see about doing stuff in this in this part of town. Why do I feel like we're about to get like blackmailed and shaken down for money? I'm scared. No, I don't feel like we're going to get shaken down for money. I feel like we're going to be offered very illicit goods right now. Herman goes, hi. Hi, Frankie. And he shakes his hand. And as he shakes his hand, he checks and counts how many fingers he has. Does he count with his other hand? Like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. like While shaking hands. his hand, he's getting with his other loud. hand. Perfect. Yeah. So, bizarrely <laughs> enough, Frankie has all of his fingers. He shakes your hand, but in the way that, like, people who weren't expecting to shake hands are like, uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, oh, we're, oh do- we're, we're, we're committing to this oh, now. This? Oh, okay. So, Frankie, I couldn't help but notice you have five fingers on your hand. Why do they call you oh, four, four Fucking fuck. <laughs> he, uh, oh, he removes God. his mirrored glasses, uh, and you can see that one of his eyes is uh, fully intact. The other one is a polished orb of onyx, so it's jet black entirely. And he kind of... So he looks at you with his one seeing eye and says... Well, because that's how many fingers I usually leave people with. Is that four total, or is that four on each hand? <laughs> that was also going to be my question. Four total, my horned friend. <laughs> Do they get to pick the fingers, or... Chell only wants to logistics. He smiles and goes, oh, I pick them. I've heard from my associate, gesturing over at Bottles, that uh, you've all been in quite a bit of trouble, haven't you? We might have run afoul of the Abbey and um, also have a friend who 
needs help because of the Abbey, so... <laughs> we... we could use some help. I see, I see. Well, uh... How would you feel about a little business proposition? See, uh, there are some things in the Abbey that, uh, business folks that I represent have been trying to get for quite some time. Respectable, of course. We're in the we're in the procurement and logistics business. And when he says this, he gives you like a big crocodile grin. You know, you know how it is. Uh, things are difficult to get in this government sometimes, and sometimes doesn't matter how many people you kill. You just can't you can't get what you want. But if you try, sometimes you just might find. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all too full of pop culture! <laughs> Which is what the review that we got said, so I guess there's that. People seem to like it. Here's the deal. There's some stuff we need in the Abbey. I know that uh, you might have reason to go to the Abbey. I've heard, I've heard it through the grapevine, so... If you want to go with uh, a couple of my associates who will be making a visit to the local chapter before too long, uh, you're more than welcome to tag along. In exchange, uh, we can get some of the heat dropped from, uh, from both of you, from all of you. Both of you, as he looks at Herman and Kitty. Correct. Who definitely murdered some people from the Abbey. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. It does? Uh, it, 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 I mean, it, <laughs> sounds, it sounds like an interesting proposition. What are you looking for from the Abbey that you think we might be able to help you procure. Oh, I I don't like to go into business details uh, over food, but um, we're looking for a pair of uh, enchanted items that are quite. And he grins again as again as he says this. Lethal. There's a uh, there's also quite the repository of gems within the abbey, as well as items that they've confiscated from associates of ours over the past few years oh so it's just it's just picking up some uh stolen items and returning them to their proper owners that that seems good wait wait wait, frankie repository gems why would you want gems that have been up someone's butt before no oh god herman (laughs) herman (laughs) who keeps letting you talk this is a bad podcast (laughs) This is a great <laughs> podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. This could have been a great pot. No. <laughs> we could have been a contender. We could have been a contender. Close to the sun. He just kind of, he doesn't respond to you at all, Herman. He just kind of looks at you like, good, good. did I hear, did I hear that? Cr- okay. What is it that you want in return? Seems like you're giving us a lot, and you haven't mentioned what you want from us. Oh, the, uh... Well, basically what you're giving us is just some manpower, you see. Uh, we're a little stretched thin at the moment, given the uh, recent incidents that we've experienced. Uh, you may have heard about the robbery earlier today. Oh, that was you? I helped with that. He, uh, lights a match by dragging it across the tabletop and lights a cigar. Kid, this is new Bastalone. Of course it's me. Basically, here's the deal, kids. 
if you want the abbey off your back at least for a little bit, you help us out. If not, no hard feelings, but uh, you won't have an extra helping hand when they come calling for you. Frankie is going to get up and say, Yeah, tell you what, you've got a few minutes, why don't you think about it? I've got to go and see about some merchandise. One question before you... Okay, shoot. How illegal is what we're about to do? He grins at you and says, Exceedingly, but only if you get caught. I nod. And the second he walks away, I'm like, okay, guys, we have to do Kitty's, this. Like, Kitty's ears I'm... are, like, just against her head, and her hands, her face is in her hands. All right, Kitty, tell me why you think we shouldn't go. We are getting dragged further into illegal activities when we're just trying to save Ernest. That's all we're doing. And now you want to jump into bed with some... Criminal mastermind who cuts off people's fingers. I I might, uh, we were already gonna try to save Ernest by breaking in to the Abbey, so I, I think we've already committed to, uh, some crime. When did we decide that we were going to actually break into the Abbey? Earlier. No, it was not decided. It was a discussion that we had. But now, now it seems that we are just jumping into bed with criminals of all types and bo- bottles I excuse me I'm sorry I don't mean to like disparage you but I know that the abbey there's something wrong with the abbey and that the abbey is evil and they did something to Ernest and they're going to do something to us but jumping into bed with someone who it sounds like is not a very good person doesn't seem like the best idea either. Would you rather have the Abbey chasing us down constantly, or maybe have to owe something to him? I would like neither. Well, those—that's not option. Well, uh, I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna do neither, you you could. Uh, I could give you a map to uh, get back to. The forest where I came from is pretty chill there. You want to check in on my mom's? Yeah, I don't know. Frankie seemed like a pretty nice guy to me. I mean, he bought us steaks. He uh, had a lot of eye contact. Nice firm handshake. He's got trustworthy eyes. I mean, I, I think he's fine. I think he's a cool guy. He's got trustworthy eye. Eye, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty, it looks like you're the only one who has doubts. Oh no, I got I got doubts. I just think we're already criminals. I I mean, um Red kind of looks at Kitty and and Herman when he says this. I uh me and and Mr. Treble are sort of uh already criminals the moment we came to the city. Uh so I I kind of always expected um, that things would be no good with the Abbey, but y- you all uh are only just now becoming criminals, and uh, it, it you could move to the forest if you want. Yeah, I have no regrets. Those Abbey guys seem like bad news. I mean, they killed Mabel. And what better way to get revenge than to help Ernest? 
Yeah, we just gotta try and get some stuff. We don't have to hurt anybody. We just gotta try and get in there and get some stuff out for, for Ernest and for this Frankie fella. The amount of optimism Let's... out of the... Out, I just... it it's, It disgusts me. Well, I'm sorry for believing in us. <laughs> Kitty will just shake her head and just like, at this point, just put it down on the table and be like, hands up above her head and be like, whatever! We're fucked! Red turns to Hattie Anderson, who uh, he assumes has just more familiarity with the world and life and uh says what 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 do you think uh we should do well to be quite frank i think you should walk away and kitty from her head down at the table just points towards hattie <laughs> look uh i've been around the block quite a bit and uh as a private eye you know you get to know the seedy underbelly of the city this guy, well, for one thing, I'm pretty sure he knows more than what he's telling you. But for another thing, you don't think it's, it's, it's not going to stop with just a little bit of robbery. You'll probably have to get, he'll probably ask you to do other things. That's what Hattie thinks. And she takes a sip of milk. Well, Kitty, what, what do you want to do? to go home and I want to go to bed and I want to wake up in the morning and all of this is over. That's what I want. What I'm going to get I don't know. I don't think that's gonna happen. That is what I want. What is actually going to happen I don't know because I think we should get more if we're going to to work with him we need to get more guarantees about exactly what we're going to do and what we're going to get out of it besides that we're going to get the heat off our back. And besides, I feel like he's just trying to use us as decoys for whatever he is planning to do. Um, if you want to roll insight. 16 plus 4. Dirty 20. Well, that worked out well for you. Um, he definitely has ulterior motives. Like you're getting, you're getting the strong vibe that he might not have the best intentions for for the party. Ah! <laughs> well said. We've, we've got other options. Uh, we could we could find out what the phone does. Maybe it'll call somebody uh, nicer who could help. Uh, there are other people uh, in the city who are against the Abbey who, who might not be so bad. Uh, maybe. Are we just talking shit about Frankie Four Fingers and Five uh, Bottles the whole time? You are. I mean, he, he did not get up and leave. <laughs> I mean, but Bottles knows he's a bad guy. No, I want to I wanna, uh, talk to uh, Bottles. You seem to know some of the stuff about what's going on, not just with with this whole thing, but with Mabel and Ernest and things like that. You n know that we are just trying to help them. 
How can you help us with this? We don't... We don't want to get in any deeper than we already are, but we need some help. Yeah, he kind of adjusts his tie slightly and looks, makes eye contact with you and just like, you know, it's a, it's a difficult decision. Kind of gives a shrug. Ernest and Mabel are great fixtures of the neighborhood. They were always kind to me, so I'll be straight with you. Frankie's, uh, Frankie's known for getting his way, and, uh, he's both loquacious and duplicitous. I would take what he says with a grain of salt as far as, uh, there being strings attached, or being no strings attached to, uh, working with them. Having said that, he, and he kind of leans in kind of conspiratorially, and he's like, look, uh, I wanted you guys to come here because I wanted you to know what resources were available to you. And Herman's always been kind to me, so I figure I, owe, I owed you that much. I think, uh, you might have to leave New the city for a bit if you decide to not help him out, or if you decide to go through with the job and then not stick with him, but that might be better for you in the long run. He's not known for his good humor when, uh, you know, when people try and leave. If he, if he feels that he's owed something, you you can still walk away and do it on your own or not do it on your own. Should we have a real quick check-in on uh, how each of our characters is feeling about this right now? Yeah, that seems good. Because I think Red is feeling like on board to join up with the criminals because he knew that that was eventually what he was probably going to get into coming to this city knowing <laughs> that he's a like, magic uh, user I'm just wondering what's gonna get in. well no he he had plans when he came to this city to like try to reach out to like pro magic stuff so like he wants to get involved with people who are anti-abby pro magic like He's ready. And Herman's into it, because he just blindly trusts anyone that isn't ob- obviously mean to him. <laughs> uh, Treble is 100% down. You know, I made it seem like it's all about the crime, but honestly, it is in small part, kind of like what Red was talking about, being a ma- being a creature of magical abilities. It's kind of like, I. it sucks that I can't do magic, that I have to be punished for it all the time. And so, a chance to kind of give a fuck you to the Abbey is like, yeah. God, what if Treble just gets addicted to climbing the mafia hierarchy, and by the end of the podcast, Treble's just Scarface? That would be a cool <laughs> That's twist. My goal. You'll be like, say hello to my little friend, and then you'll point to, like, one of the shorter members of the party. No, no you're just face. gonna point. I'll just point oh, to okay. face. <laughs> Kitty has made how, how she feels very... Evident, yeah. I think. Yeah, Kitty's strongly against. But she also knows that she that right now she sees no other other solutions right now. She wishes that they could go find one, but right at the moment the only things being presented are bad ideas. I mean I this is like not in character, but I'll say like 
there is a subplot to be had if Kitty decides to just fucking run away from the city. That's you could do I'm that. I'm not. If you want. She's not running. She worked her way through Fantasy Kansas. There's no way she's running back to live in a forest. Okay. That's why she's having a hard time when it's like, we'll just go to the forest. Fuck no. I saved all my life. I went to college. I've got a degree in goddamn journalism. I'm here to be a a reporter. I'm not here to go live in a forest commune. Okay, so I I think then we're we're ready for him to come back to the table. Alrighty. I'll let him know. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Dial M for Magic. Our cast, as always, was Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty Bradley, Dan Rogland as Red, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, and Jordan Fugit as Treble. Our DM was Henry Rogland. All of our artwork was done by Ashley Meisner Terran, and our intro music was done by Alex Hills. A bit of exciting news and something we've been working on for quite a while. We're actually doing a Halloween special here at Dial M for Magic, and we're going to be joined by some very special guests. Our guests are going to be joining us from the podcast JK We're Rolling, which is an awesome podcast you all need to check out. Their magician master, Michael, has done a really awesome job of creating that universe and setting it up. It's set in that style of young wizards going to school. So if you've got a castle-sized hole in your heart, JK We're Rolling will definitely fill that hole in your life. It's really awesome. They do a great job. They're all hysterical, so I highly encourage you all to go check it out. We're super excited that they are going to be joining us for this episode. It's coming out on October 28th, just in time for spooky season, so it's going to be an awesome Halloween special. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Check us out on Twitter at m for magiccast or on Instagram at dial underscore m underscore podcast for more updates about that and just for more updates about the podcast. We also have our new website up and running, dialmformagic.com. We have our merch store through there, so go check it out, see what you think. We have our next episode coming at you September 30th. We look forward to seeing you then. Give me one second, because not to be that guy, but I feel like it was Seaguard in the episode. The very second episode? I'm not even I'm sure that I specified in the in the first or second episode. It's when you do the uh, radio announcement. Oh, right. Just fix it in post, Maybe right? Cool. How about just say the word Seaguard? Seaguard. Or floating city of or say floating city of Seaguard, and then I can edit it. Floating city of Seaguard. Perfect. Now say aluminium. Aluminium. (laughs) Now say butts. Butts. Yeah. Nice. Put some steak on it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah.